Welcome everybody and another happy Friday to you all. Welcome to another edition of the Georgia Wrestling History TV Talk Podcast on the Georgia Wrestling History News Network. I am one of your many co-hosts, Kenny J, here with John Stoney Cannon. What's up? Will Wheeler. Hi. Mike Garrett. What's up? And Mr. is sitting over there on a chair. He's just chilling. That's right, and we are watching... What are, what are we watching? WCW? 97 Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc. All right, yeah, it's like a six-man match, right? There you go, yeah. yeah. Cool stuff, cool stuff. It's, it's TGIF. Oh, yeah. That means it's... Uh, that means for some people, it's rock and roll, hookers and blow. For us, we're just chilling around, talking wrestling, because we just aren't that cool. Yep, yep. That's right. And actually, one of the guys in this match that we're watching is Stan Lane. He's going to pop up uh, in a minute here when we do some of our birthdays, and you'll actually see him Monday morning on our TV show, Georgia Wrestling History TV. Monday, Monday, Monday! That's right. So tonight's discussion, we're going to be talking about Mask gimmicks in the South. We each have some of our favorites. Um, but before we jump into that, we've got some birthdays. And starting today, August 4th, our birthdays, we've got Dean Malenko, Kensuke Sasaki, and Frankie Kazarian. Dean Malenko, heck yeah. Amazing wrestler. Yep. yep. Happy birthday to those three. And then tomorrow, August 5th, Stan Lane, previously mentioned. We've got Pat Tanaka and Mac Johnson. Anything about those guys? Uh, Stan Lane was trained by Ric Flair. Oh, the only wrestler that Ric Flair trained. I think Mike has a story about uh, Stan Lane. Yeah, yeah. What you got? Speaking of Friday. Comparison. Um, I was listening to another podcast and I recently learned that uh, Stan kind of left his wallet behind the light. And uh, and we all know somebody that does that. So um, he would always, like, whenever he needed ID to check in or booze or whatever, he would always just grab Luger's ID and then I think around 50 instances they know that that happened that was never a question I kind of wonder if it was because he was a big wrestler or he honestly looked that close I think he honestly looks that close to him. I think so yeah I think it was him I, th- I, th- I thought it was funny that when we were talking about this earlier you said it wasn't until you heard that you, that you even thought that he looked like him I always thought hey, he kind of looks like Luger yeah I do now now that I look at it I'm I see Luger all day. Yeah. But I never did before. I never put it together. Of course, I saw him before Luger came around. Maybe what we'll have to do is we'll have one of those episodes where wrestlers who look like other wrestlers. Well, I don't know. He, I, he lucked out. I would have flipped my uh, my crap if I lost my wallet all the time. And, uh, yeah, back then it wasn't as big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's only like your social security card. And, you know, yeah, nowadays you lose your wallet and there goes your life. There goes every so, password yeah. to every site. <laughs> well, is it coming up Sunday the 6th? We've got Dino Bravo and Jimmy Valiant. We'll have their birthdays. All right, a Canadian and a, what, a New Yorker? Jimmy Valiant. All right. 
Mercy of Daddy, baby. Yeah. I'm having a big bash in uh, Random in North Carolina at the Riders in the Country. Come up there, baby. <laughs> and didn't uh, Dino sell cigarettes? <clears throat> I think he was illegal. He was legally selling cigarettes and somebody whacked him. Yeah, I was a joke. My bad, y'all didn't get it. I'll <laughs> oh, <laughs> let that go. <laughs> Alright, let's see. Tuesday, August 8th. That's uh, Rena Miro, who is also known as Sable, and Scott Demore. Yeah! How old is she, y'all know? I don't know. It's gotta be 50, 60 something. Some, I think she's like 10 years older than her husband, Brock, right? Yep. She's a cougar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't lie. I do have like the Playboy, uh, Playboy magazine, I think, in my top drawer in my room. I bought it. Probably the only episode. The only this is in the top drawer magazine. The drawer. The, drawer. <laughs> the most accessible drawer. That's right. Well, it depends on the Actually, it's the one that won't close right, so we never go in it. So it has like a, has like a couple boxes of 12-gauge buckshot. Oh it has God. like uh, some old coins, and it has a China and Sable Playboy issue. So that's not the one when the family's out of town, you put on the soft music, and you... And you, you pull open the, the drawer day, and you're man. like, don't, don't be <laughs> stable. Oh, yeah. Hey, China, let's party. Maybe I had a buddy with the China one, ago. so I've, I've seen the China one. Yeah, one of them did too. I think it was Sable. I don't have the both of them, they did. Yeah, nah, maybe used to, but now Pornhub has probably spoiled us all. Yeah, the internet just kind of ruined porn. Yeah, so it's like, you know, yeah. yeah. I want to do that thing. I got an extra six minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, probably having the China one probably would have been excited. But when when I talked myself into going and watching the free video of her and Sean Waltman, I was like, really? No, I'm done. I'm seen. done. I've heard about it. I heard it wasn't oh any good. Oh, my God. It's horrible. <laughs> That's what I heard. He just heard. That's yeah. all. He just heard. There, so. There's the one with her and Batista out there too. I don't I know. Seen that one? I, I, right. I don't know. But Sean Waltman is just I, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. The dog's barking. He's excited. He's okay. ready. What's next? The day before our next podcast, August 10th, Tugboat and Savio Vega will celebrate their birthday. So does, it, so does that mean Typhoon Typhoon's birthday is coming up too? It does. And then and, and U.S. Steel's birthday. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. The Shotmaster's birthday. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, is that all our birthdays? I believe that is all of our birthdays. All right, well, like usual, this is just crap we find on the internet, and if it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's the internet. Who cares? You know, um, everything on the internet's right, and if we left anybody off, well, blame Mike. It's all good. So, whatever. All right, so... And as, as happens with every podcast, hot chicks always seem to walk in while we're doing it. So it's cool. Hey, hey, hot chick. How's it going? <laughs> Got our McDonald's. Woohoo! It's all good. So see, it all happens here. From from playboys to hot chicks to puppy oh, dogs to wrestling. We got everything. The whole so, party. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, as in the grand tradition, and I know we haven't been here that long in this podcast, the grand can, tradition of this podcast is to send out our birthday lap dance and this this week we have two this week we're going to send to all our guys a birthday lap dance cur- courtesy of birthday girl Sable I hope she doesn't break a hip mm-hmm. so but 
For Sable, we are going to send her a personal birthday lap dance from somebody who we're going to be hanging out here pretty soon. Buff the stuff Bagwell. Hey, all right. So Sable get, gets a buff lap dance. And maybe some of these guys will get a buff Sable lap dance. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. I like it. All right. So, are we going to do anything after birthdays or are we done? Oh, we've got some history, and each of us have something that we got to talk about today. And I believe that, Mike, we're going to start with you. What kind of history you got for us? I'm going to go back 28 years ago today. Um, the Atkinson family, a.k.a. Von Erichs, World Class Wrestling Association, WCWA. that be that or no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, originally known as World Class Championship Wrestling, which, which we were WCCW. watching last time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I know WCCW. Um, merged with CWA Memphis to form the United States Wrestling Association. Uh, new owner Jerry Jarrett was not allowed by the Von Erichs to use the World Class name following the associated event. Popular wrestler Eric Embry defeats P.Y. Chuha. Is that mm-hmm. it? Uh, in the steel cage in the main event and final WCCW match. Also on the card was Cactus Jack and Scott Braddock. They defeated Jeff Jarrett and Matt Bourne to win the WCCW World Tag Team Championship, making them the last WCCW Tag Champs and first ever USWA Tag Champs. They would lose the belts just a week later to Jarrett and Bourne. Uh, a year later, longtime TV partner KTVT, which is out of Dallas, uh, dropped the USWA Saturday night program because of the content, and afterward, Jarrett pulled the company out of Dallas because of money issues. Uh, also, Kevin Von Erich made an attempt to revive the sportatorium in WCCW, but the lack of TV and fan interest was done promoting by the end of 1990. And uh, something about the sportatorium. I recently watched that Booker T. JBL thing. Um, that sportatorium's had some huge wrestlers go through it and it is a crappy piece of shit building yeah it wasn't (laughs) there's certain months out of the year in Dallas that it's too hot and fans won't work so they can't do shit in there you know like health department wise but as crappy as it looks like almost everybody we know has wrestled there some some of the most some of the most legendary buildings of all time were crap crap holes yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. where you you pissed in a trough (laughs) literally that's right. All right, Stoney. What kind of history do you have for us? Well, 22 years ago today at Smoky Mountain Wrestling Super Bowl of Wrestling in right here in the South, Knoxville, Tennessee, the Heavenly Bodies, aka Jimmy Del Rey and Tom Richard, defeated the Thugs, aka Tony Anthony. Remember, we talked about a Tony Anthony recently, right. yep. and Tracy Smothers to become the very last Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Tag Team Champions, and that was before Smoky Mountain Wrestling closed shop in December of that year. All right. And also, 22 years ago today, WCW pre-taped an event called Collision in Korea, an event co-promoted by New Japan Pro Wrestling, was becoming the first North American wrestling pay-per-view to take place in North Korea. Imagine that. The reported attendance of 340,000 makes it the largest attended pro wrestling event ever. Matches included were a wild Pegasus defeating two cold Scorpio, Yuji Nagata beating Tokimitsu Ishizawa via submission, 
Masahiro Chono and Hiro Saito topping El Samurai and Tadao Yusada. Bull Nakano, Nakano and Akira Hokuto defeated Manami Toyota and Mariko Yoshida. Shinya Hashimoto and Scott Norton battled to a 20-minute time limit draw for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Road Warrior Hawk beat Tadao Yusuda. The Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, defeated Hiroshi Hase and Kensuke Sasaki, and in a battle of the legends, Antonio Inoki bested Ric Flair. You did a great job pronouncing all those names. That's what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> I have read my fair share Jesus. of Japanese names and words in my time. Man, Dude. this was this is this was this, this this was like the credits for a, a Japanimation movie, no, right? Oh, no kidding. Wow. I'm sure I botched at least a couple of them. No, actually, wow, no. dude, you roll through them like a steamroller. When, when you when you said Korea and then you said Japan, first thing I was thinking is, is man, is this like the original arms race or something? Uh, be what a the heck? For you somewhere, woo, man. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, Will, you got some history for us. What do you got? Right. Twenty years to go today, hundredth episode of uh, WCW Monday Nitro. Lex Luger beats Hollywood Hulk Hogan to win the WCW World Heavyweight Title, and. What happens was Luger wins it, he spray paints the paint off the belts. And then his reign only lasted five days because he lost it back to Hogan at Road Wild in Surge, South Dakota. Back to you, Steve. Right. Right. One of the most boring states in the country, I see. So, okay, so I've got one more nine years ago today on Raw from Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, that's a very popular one this time. Mm-hmm. Batista and John Cena defeated Legacy, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase Jr., to win the WWE World Tag Team Championship. The duo would lose the championships back to Legacy just one week later. Oh, wow. I didn't even remember them holding the tag team. I don't even either. I mean, yeah, it was a week. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I didn't remember. That's the most recent one. Well, I I guess John Cena couldn't say that they didn't see him because they turned around and beat him (laughs) Well, we got wildfire on the screen. Hey, all right. Oh, Big ass Sunday. letters. <laughs> it's all Sunday. Right. We're at school. <laughs> okay, great. So we have our, our birthdays under the mat and our uh, history under the mat. And now it's time for our main discussion of the night. We've picked some of our favorite masks. Hookers. Mask gimmicks from the South. Mask hookers? Yeah, mask hookers. I mean, if you're under a mask, I wouldn't really trust him with that, uh, but yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So we're going to start, before our break, we're going to talk about our favorite singles mask gimmicks, and then when we come back from our break, we'll get into our favorite tag teams. But we're going to start off with Mike. Do you have a singles that, is, uh, that speaks to you? I do. Uh, um, I went with the Patriot, Dale Wilkes, from about 50 minutes down the road. Um... Also, a, a, in a theme with my mask characters this week, y'all will see, is a, uh, a football underlining theme for every one of them. But, um, well, that's good because we're all ready for football season, or at yeah, least most of are. us are. We are. But, uh, yeah, the Patriot, uh, Dale Wilkes, um, started out, well, actually, he played for USC, not out west, but the South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah. Um, he was one of four All-Americans from that team. Um Huge. Uh, went and played some ball. USFL. Come yeah. earlier. God, I used to love the USFL. Yeah. He was around back in the eighties. Wow. Yep. And Virgil uh, Walker was... played for the New Jersey Generals. <laughs> man, and this was in Tampa Bay, and the one the team he played for like was way better than the Buccaneers at that time. 
But um, well, everybody was back then. But uh, never really manifested into a NFL career. So um, he went on to do the wrestling thing. And I actually kind of cheated and wrote down a timeline here because he's been all over the place. But in '88, started out with the AWA, um, and I believe the first year or two he went and wrestled under the name Dale Wilkes. Um, before he come up with the Trooper. And the Trooper lasted until 1991. Don't quote me on these exactly. But um, he kind of saw the writing on the wall in AWA, saw that it was it was going under, and he actually jumped ship at the perfect time to Global. Um, and that's where he thought he was going to be the Trooper, and when he got there, they kind of introduced him and sold him just in a hotel room, this gimmick with the Patriot and everything, and they had like four people there because they thought they were going to have to talk him into it long term and everything, and he was on board immediately. He's like, okay, cool. Um, I don't know if he didn't like the Trooper or whatever because it seemed to be over, but I went with the Patriot, and of course he did pretty good. Um, and then the same thing with Global. Uh, he saw the writing on the wall there, and it was kind of going under, and people were leaving, and so he left. And from 92 to 94, went to Japan like a lot of wrestlers did. A bunch of people we talk about every week were in Japan at that time. Um, and there was a little, a little disruption. He kind of took the gimmick with him. Uh, he didn't ask, uh, from what I understand. Uh, there wasn't anybody asking about it, but um, he nevertheless just took the Patriot with him to Japan. And then uh, went to WCW from 94 to 95. And then that's when somebody hit him up about, hey, you can't use the Patriot. We're going to see you with this much. You owe us this much money. And he went to Bischoff with it, and Bischoff was like, just ignore that. It will go away. <laughs> and it did. And um, so he kept using it. And uh, then he went back uh, from 95 to 97 to Japan with a ton more wrestlers we know. Um, there about everybody was there in that time period in Japan. Um, and then briefly, uh, we remember the Bret Hart thing in WWF. Uh, that was really brief. It was like a, a 10 or maybe 14 month top run. But I still got over and um, the thing with Team Canada versus USA, uh, he kind of carried the flag for that. Um, for some reason, they kind of killed the storyline uh, that they were doing. I don't know why, but anyway, that didn't last too much longer. And then he uh, was just kind of beat up. He had torn his triceps twice. Do you know that accurate? Yeah. Will saying, yeah. He, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. A few, like a neck injury. It was pretty bad. Um, so he kind of hung it up, man. He couldn't really bang anymore. But um, another interesting thing is um, the music he used. Uh, he's not the only one to use that music, uh, and he's got to be happy when he turns on Raw if he turns on Raw and sees Kurt back and gets to hear his old music um, every now and then. Well, here lately every week, and. Um, also, Sergeant Slaughter used that song once or twice in a match against D-Generation X, Triple H, or something like that in the 90s, the Attitude Era. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Um, there's also a lot more. You know, uh, he kind of lost his way with the steroids and drug use, which he's very open about. Um, but got that under control now. But um, it may or may not have contributed to all the injuries he had, and uh, sidelined him and kind of kept him, kept him in a nine-year career. 
but but he is from the south, and again, he's just as decorated in football. Well, probably more decorated in the football career than the professional wrestling career. But but I will say he uh, never entered the ring after the AWAD's AWA first year without a mask. He was truly masked his whole career. Good guy, cool dude. And if you uh, want, as uh, DVDs pushing. I'm sure you'd appreciate us to mention that. Um, it's a three-disc set, I believe. Um, I forget the actual name of it, but it's the story of Dale Wilkes, the Patriot, from day one, um, before wrestling, you know, back in the early parts of his life, and well-documented. A lot of Japan stuff on there, uh, from what I've seen, and uh, I think you can get that at DellThePatriotWilkes.com. Could be wrong. I'll look that up, but I'm pretty sure it's Dell D E L Dell the Patriot Wilkes.com. We're gonna have to have a maybe Michael like get the DVD and do a review <laughs> for one of our mini sites. I've only watched one of the three DVDs, um, but I'd love to watch the other two. I'd love to have the time. So now yeah. The other two. Sweet. We could probably maybe, run maybe we can put yeah. it in. Maybe put it in one day when we do a show. I was gonna say this is when I watch the most wrestling. <clears throat> yeah. cool. cool, that was cool. Cool to learn a little bit about a bit about the Patriot. There you go. Yeah. He works at Dick Smith Nissan, right up by the on the, when you get off the exit and go toward the zoo, um, Bush River Road, off Bush River Road. Oh yeah, yeah he's mm-hmm. a salesman up there now. Huh, cool. Yeah. Want a car in the Columbia area or truck or SUV? I'm pretty sure he can help you. Out. All right. That'd be cool. <laughs> See him in person, get himself a ride. Awesome. Well, uh, Stoney, what did you pick for your uh, favorite? <laughs> I picked one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and that would be Mr. Wrestling 2. Yeah. Um, otherwise known as Johnny Walker, uh, native of Charleston, South Carolina, billed most of his career as being from Atlanta, Georgia. So, you know, for fans of, of Carolina and Georgia, that's probably like a travesty. You know what I mean? So, you know, just kind of you were like you were talking about, you said uh, Del Wilkes was from Carolina or went to USC, not the USC. Yeah. I almost had to interject because, you know, I grew up a Trojans fan because of the running backs. You yeah. know, the great running backs, including one that just recently yep. got released yep. from one of the best. Could be released from prison here and later in the year. Say what so you want. Maybe what you it's want. It's a good one. So but uh for those of you not familiar with Mr. Wrestling Two, uh, of course American retired wrestler and best known for appearances in uh, championship wrestling from Florida and Georgia Championship Wrestling in the seventies, early eighties. But he actually was trained by Tony Morelli and Pat O'Connor and debuted, get this, 1955 under the name Johnny Walker. 1955. Cool name. Right? Wow. I mean, yeah, you kind of you figure that's a, good, that's a good liquor name, can right? I, can I tell you, when I moved here in 98, uh, I went to the liquor store down on Broad Street. Remember that liquor store? Yeah. Um, and when I walked in there, huge wrestling fan, and I saw this picture up there. Made out the, the guy that owns the store, and it's Mr. Wrestler number two. And there was a Mr. Wrestler number one that was newer. It was colored. But this one was in black and white, and I want to say it was 81 or 82. The year was wrote on it, and I was like, wow. And um, I was like, that's pretty cool. And the guy was like, yeah, about twice a year they come hang out here. I was like, cool. 
but I was brand new, so I, I was new to town. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, when he first started out, he actually, uh, 50s and 60s, he was known as Johnny Rubberman Walker. Hmm. You know, um, uh, mainstay uh, in Houston. Actually, uh, uh, Houston promoter gave him the nickname due to his flexibility. So I always thought that was uh, pretty interesting. But he actually originally retired in 1964. The first time. And Will will like this because this will be a little tie to what Will has coming a little later, second half of the show. He actually uh, came out of retirement in 1967 and wrestled on the indie circuit under a mask as the grappler. And, and you'll hear later on why uh, why there's a connection to that. And then in 72, kind of semi-retired, he was running a gas station in Tennessee. Paul Jones was the promoter for uh, Georgia Wrestling at the time. And him and the booker asked, and returned, asked Walker to return to wrestling as Mr. Wrestling 2. He was actually introduced as a partner to the legendary... Mr. Wrestling, as you guys know, is Tim Woods. And Walker actually sat in, so to speak, as Mr. Wrestling uh, from time to time. So um, he also would do, uh, uh, you know, Eddie Graham, would, owner of uh, the Florida promotion, uh, they would send the talent back and forth between the two things. And uh, that was back when there was the war for Atlanta with... Uh, with Dan Gunkel and, and stuff like that. So, uh, kind of leading to All South Wrestling Alliance. So, uh, as history shows, uh, Mr. Wrestling 2, he immediately became a huge draw and immediately actually became a legend in the territory. And that led to get us 10 reigns as the Georgia Heavyweight <clears throat> Champion. 10. 10 times. And people are out there like... What do you mean, Georgia? Hey, back in the day, you used to not only have state belts. There was like a Macon belt. Yeah. And a Columbus belt. A Columbus belt. So you had you had state belts, territory belts, and city belts. And so and, and during the time in Georgia, uh, Mr. Wrestling 2 was actually considered one of the top five most popular wrestlers in the United <laughs> States. Even attracting a big fan, Jimmy Carter. The Jimmy Carter who was the governor and later became president of the United States. That's right. It became president. Eventually, president. What was that? Uh, late seventies was. Or was yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, because he was uh, defeated and sent out of office in nineteen eighty yeah. by Reagan. That's right. You, you, you almost the young young. Well, I don't know. I don't know between you three who's the. I know he's the youngest. So, but you know, most of the time, 70s and 80s uh, focused on the uh, southeast. southeast. Um, but he'd also, uh, you know, wrestled in Mid-South Wrestling, 83 and 84, as coach, forget this, Terry Allen. So, and, and he actually had a feud, mm-hmm. and the, that's that helped build the popularity of the wrestler that eventually be known as Magnum T.A., and uh, in 1983, end of 83, they t- actually tagged up 
to win the tag titles from Butch Reed and Jim Neidhart. How's, how's that for a title? Butch Reed, Jim Neidhart, and I believe one of those guys will also be mentioned later on yep. in the second half of the show. <clears throat> That's for sure. Thank you, football. So, um, um, he ended his career uh, doing some work with uh, Hawaii Championship Wrestling. But, I mean, look at, look at like, the titles. Mid-South and Georgia Championship Wrestling. NWA Georgia Heavyweight Champion ten times. NWA, we were talking about this, Macon Heavyweight Champion four times. NWA Tag Team Champion five times with the likes of Bob Orton Jr. and Mr. Wrestling and Tony Atlas. NWA Macon Tag Team Champion three times, twice with Mr. Wrestling and once with, goodness, Jerry Lawler. I'm glad you mentioned that Macon Belt thing. People don't realize how huge wrestling is in that town. Macon, yeah. They pick the Macon Coliseum ten times, do whatever they want. People love wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And, and also held the Georgia version of the NWA Southeastern Tag Team Championship champ, Championships, the belts, with uh, another Southern legend or legend in the South, Bill Drummo. So some really, really, really cool stuff. Um, highlights, uh, you know, in the mid fifties, he debuted in nineteen fifty. And in nineteen fifty, it was a regular performer for Frank Tunney in Toronto. Um, in eighty three, Zabisco, you know, Larry Zabisco defeated him in a tournament final for the Georgian National Heavyweight Title. Georgian National heavyweight title so um, some really really good stuff um, and one thing that a lot of people might not know uh, his wife was a talented seamstress and costume maker and had many clients uh, country music performers including Porter Wagner but um, she made a lot of Ric Flair's robes oh sweet so and that I'm sure lots more can be said about Mr. Wrestling too, but um, yeah, probably when I was younger, one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and this was back in the day when wrestling under a mask made it harder to get a championship oh. to begin with, and the masks were more basic back then, weren't the wild <laughs> dynamic that you find now, so... You know, it was probably easy for Mr. Wrestling 1 and 2 to kind of like tag in for each other and stuff like that. So, yeah, Mr. Wrestling 2, Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker. Right. Johnny Walker. Yeah, that makes me want to take a drink now. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I like it. We can toast Johnny Walker. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is your favorite singles mask Um, The Spoiler. Um, right. Spoiler was a, a gentleman known by his name of Don Jardine. He actually was Canadian, but primarily lived in the South. Uh, his claims to fame was he was a masked wrestler and had an eagle on the mask. And he did some significant things in the wrestling business. Um, <coughs> Created the term, term spoiler. Yeah, exactly. And he was, um, I forgot, he was trained by some uh, old school dudes. And uh, he was primarily... Huge in the South. Uh, he was big in Texas. Uh, 
It was managed by Playboy Gary Hart and had a very lengthy feud. It was always the top draw in uh, Big Time Wrestling, which later became World Class Championship Wrestling, was fighting Fritz Von Erich. So they would exchange the NWA American title back and forth, so to speak. And also, too, he also wrestled as another mass gimmick called the Super Destroyer, the original Super Destroyer. And he was in uh, Mid-Atlantic Crockett, so he wrestled at the time as Crockett as Super Destroyer, and I believe he was a Mid-Atlantic Tag Champion. He primarily won singles titles, but he was a Mid-Atlantic Tag Champion. And the spoiler um, went to Georgia, and I believe he was a Tag Champion in Georgia, and he also was a former Georgia Heavyweight Champion. Not the number of title reigns that Mr. Wrestling 2 had, mind you, <laughs> but he was a champion. But another unique thing about the spoiler was he wrestled for Vince Sr. But he did a couple of shots. However, a crazy law they had in Madison Square Garden about masked wrestlers. He wasn't allowed to wrestle in his mask. So he had to wrestle without his mask. Whoa. And apparently, he actually, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know how runs, but apparently he wasn't a bad looking dude without a mask. So he ended up wrestling a couple of matches up there, and one significant match was he wrestled Mills Mascaris, who kept his mask on. That doesn't seem fair. I know, I know. Uh, why? Why? I, I was wondering why too. Uh, I can't ask uh, Vince Jr. that, but still, it was the thing. But the one of the biggest things that the spoiler did, and a couple of times was was what he did was he ties into a previous gimmick we had, a previous. Um, person we had on our last show. Um, you ever seen the tight... Wa- Has anyone ever seen the Walking the Top Rope? Oh, yeah, Undertaker. Actually, the originator was the spoiler. Oh, there you go. Didn't Mr. Didn't Mr. X or Dr. X do the rope thing, too? I don't think so, but in fact, which goes back to another story, we're going to tie in a previous point. Guess who the Undertaker was trained by? The spoiler. Oh, there you go. So... That it was all the spoiler that um, he had done that. And another significant uh, claim to fame was when the Black Saturday happened earlier in the show, the spoiler actually um, was the last national champion. So he went to Vince, and unofficially Vince called him the national champion for a while. Oh. And he pretty much <clears throat> slowly died out in the 90s. He just did sporadic appearances and all that good stuff. And uh, he ended up, he passed away in 2006. And the fact of the matter is, his last business without the mask, he ran a car wash in Calgary over the camp. Nice. I wonder why he didn't wear the mask at that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I saw that. I, when I saw the research, I was, I was going to look into that. But it was some law they had that just came wrestling hood in New York. Hmm. Some obscure law. You know how they always have these obscure laws about things. But you can wrestle somebody with a mask. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think well, that's, that's I think well. They're I from think. another country, so they probably have like a yeah diplomatic immunity. Right. Maybe. <laughs> All right, and take it away. Oh yeah, I'm up next. Take it away, Steve. Uh oh. Whoa, Steve's got one. Yeah. Well, I have. Mine is the Glacier. As, as most of our fan base should know at this point, me and Stevie are both... We have a fan base? Yeah. Okay. Are both, you know, we're both fans of video games. And so, of course, wrestlers with gimmicks that are 
I guess based off of video games kind of speak to us that's what resonates with us and the Glacier of course is a bit of a spoof of the Mortal Kombat character Sub-Zero who was you know the magic guy who froze people and you know broke them to bits and you know all kinds of fun stuff and um, the Glacier his real name is Raymond Lloyd and he was the Glacier in WCW from 96 to 99 and uh, he was introduced via a series of vignettes during WCW programming that featured the tagline Blood Runs Cold that was a whole angle that they were trying to run with that and ended up getting postponed because of another pay-per-view originally he was going to debut during the summer in July he ended up debuting in September instead and uh, if you if you ended up with the October 96 issue of WCW Magazine, you would find his backstory in there, which he traveled to Japan to learn a mix of martial arts and wrestling from some old, you know, Japanese master. And his his achievement from all of that was a 400-year-old helmet. Holy cow. Well, and not only that... I think he also had the achievement of like being like the stiffest karate guy ever, maybe based on watching an old guy move. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he debuted, and his um, his debut was uh, very expensive. Uh, it says here that they spent half a million dollars on his entrance, which was uh, a bunch. Of, it was a laser light show, a bunch of fake snow, lightning bolts, you know, all kinds of just flashy BS. <laughs> And he got into the ring, you know, stood up on the turnbuckle, ripped off his mask and everything. And after his first four matches, they stopped using his extravagant entrance because, good lord, that sounds like an expensive intro for someone who really wouldn't get a whole lot of uh, attention. So for the next year, he pretty much won every singles match that he was in. And almost a year after his debut, he lost his first singles match to... Buff the Stuff Bagwell. Oh! So we're coming full circle. We're going to mention him at the end of the show. And, of course, you've already heard he's going to be at Viral Pro Wrestling coming up pretty soon. August 12th. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm going to squeeze this in here real quick for Mike. The last time I I saw Glacier and hung out with Glacier was uh, in Dublin, Georgia, at this little rec center. And it was funny, we got there, and there was like, we got there early, figured we'd find a place before dinner, and there was already a line, and we're like, well, damn it. Luckily, we're, luckily we're media, we'll get in. Well, there was three people in line, like two hours before the show, and we came back, and they were the same three people, we're the only people in line. And uh, in through the door walks, who is who, who ends up being Glacier's tag team partner for the night, Pulling a roller case behind him. That would be one wildfire Tommy Rich. So got to see in Dublin, Georgia, Glacier and Wildfire Tommy Rich wrestler wrestle a couple of guys that were kind of like imagine Adrian Adonis like times two. Right on. And there was maybe like twenty five people in the building. So and then afterwards, um, everybody went to uh, Applebee's and. Uh, I will have to say, while he is not really the most, to me, the most exciting wrestler to watch, as a person, he was a joy to hang out with and talk to. Very nice guy. Cool. Very nice guy. Anything else on Glacier? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bust oh, no, up in your own I mean, but. he, at, at that point, he started losing all the time. He lost to Goldberg at the end of the year. Well, everybody yeah. lost to Goldberg. Yeah. So did y'all get to meet him? 
Yeah. Gotta hang out with him. Did you ever slip up and say, so, Sub-Zero, I mean, Glacier? No, no. I mean, he was, he, he was, this was afterwards. He was, he was himself. Yeah, it was after, after he was done being in Glacier, he just kind of did indie stuff. And he's been doing indie stuff since. Yeah, yeah. well, that's why I saw him was yeah. Yeah, exactly. Indie Glacier, so, so he, I mean, he, he, wrestling with indie Wildfire. I think he did jump back in in the early 2000s to do some more Glacier stuff, but it was very brief. Hasn't he done something rather recently in Indy? Maybe. I think he's do, he does seminars, and I think he also was a middle school teacher, too. Oh. Yeah. I want to say I saw him on some some propaganda for an upcoming... Let's see. He, he again wrestled as Glacier as part of the Ultimate Christian Wrestling Ultimate Armageddon Tour 2006. Uh, oh. He did something in 2008 with Ricky Vega. He made a return in 2009, King of Trios tournament. That's, that's the most recent thing he's done. He's also done some acting. Uh, he was in the uh, Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular show at uh, Disney World. So that's kind of cool. That's fitting. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, after he was Glacier, he's just been doing indie stuff, and then WCW kind of treated him like crap after that. There you go. So, and, and they, I, they buried him. So. And not only a Southeast wrestler, as far as wrestling, he's Southeast wrestler. He's from the area. Oh, yeah. So. From Brunswick, I think. There you go. Brunswick, Georgia. South Georgia. So, you guys, I know you guys can't see this, but uh, on our thing, we're watching Doom Pops is has popped up, and they will actually pop up in the second half of our show as well. So Woman. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Forget how hot she was. Good yeah. she has, man. All right, well, we're going to watch this for a minute, and we'll be back. <laughs> hey, guys, this is Stoney from GWH TV. If you're like me and dig your wrestling old school and from the South, check out Georgia Wrestling History Online for archives, current area indie shows, and results, plus cool discussions on GWH Radio. Just visit gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com. Georgia Wrestling History, capturing the legends of yesterday and covering the stars of today. You wanted the best, you got the best. The hottest classic wrestling in the world. GWH on the Georgia Wrestling History Network. Classic matches, classic look, just classic. Check us out on the GWH website and at facebook.com backslash GWHTV. Alright, welcome back from that brief break to our Southern Mask Gimmicks episode. Again, I'm Kenny J here with John Stoney Cannon, Will Wheeler, and Mike Garrett. With Doom on TV, yep. Masked Tag Teams. Definitely, yep. and, and uh, they'll pop up again in a second here. But uh, before the break, we talked about our favorite singles gimmicks. I believe Mike's was a Patriot. Stoney's was Mr. Wrestling 2. Will had, um, I'm sorry, what was The it? Spoiler. The Spoiler. And, and I had a Glacier. And we're kind of going to go in reverse order here. I'm starting with my uh, favorite tag team southern gimmick, which of course is the Galaxians. As I mentioned before the break, I'm a gamer. Stevie's a gamer. The Jays are gamers. And... 
I want to send a special thanks to Blade Braxton, who wrote this little uh, article that I've got about the Galaxians, because really, outside of seeing them in a few matches, I don't know much about them other than one of them is called Alpha, one is called Beta, and they have orange and maroon uniforms that are just ugly as hell. But um, basically, their whole gimmick was... um, Jimmy Cornette really wanted some spacemen after he saw the movie E.T. So Mama Cornette bought him some spacemen. (laughs) And those spacemen were the Galaxians. And so he took them to the ring in 83 for a while. And then after uh, they didn't really have a good run there, he kind of kicked them to the curb. And, um... You know, I don't want to mix up my teams here. (laughs) <laughs> he dumped them from Manage the Midnight Express. I didn't want to get them backwards. And um, pretty much from that point, their careers came crashing down. They um, they tried to keep going on their own in the uh, WCW in 1990 and pretty much crashed and burned. I mean, they, they were uh, kind of tiny compared to everybody they were going up against. They uh, weren't used to these opponents that were much bigger and better than the ones in Memphis that they were used to. You so, said the 90s. That's right whenever... People were just getting huge steroids and yeah. crazy videos. Yeah, so and we know how short aliens are, so VHS and beta never stood a chance. No. VHS and beta, yeah. Hey Matt, question, what was your what was their home what was their, what was their hometown by chance, uh, Steve? Did they have one? Oh, it was just like the outer galaxy or something. Okay. They okay. Said, um, the outer galaxy. Yeah, the otherworldly outer galaxy. Yeah. The so outer limits. <laughs> they graduated from Starfleet Academy. Yeah. <laughs> so they, I don't know. The they, Twilight they, Zone. So you know, I I just enjoyed it. It's so. a it's a cool little gimmick. It was. I mean, it was, it lasted for almost ten years. I mean, it was nineteen eighty three to nineteen ninety. That's a long time. So, yeah. Wrestling. Yeah. yeah, it's good. So yeah, and you know your 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 brothers like got really really close with with the Galactians, even even to the point that like on one of our old episodes, he almost got like a buzz cut from like oh yeah, he, the yeah. buzzing down on him. And they were flying around on our show. Yeah, episode five or six. People were like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Yeah, just go back and watch. GWH TV, some of the older recipe, older ones, and watch six, six that the, the, the Galaxians is on, and, and you see like the little aliens like just flying all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah, so I mean that's that's about all I got to say on the Galaxians. Uh, well, <coughs> my next it? team was the Grapplers, and uh, they were Grappler one and two, but also they were known as um, Lynn Denton and Tony Anthony. Um, Pretty much the story of the grapplers, they lost a loser leaves loser leaves loses hair match, so they end up becoming the grapplers. So what happened with them was um, they were a tag team and they had a good run. They were managed by Jimmy Hart and Jim Cornette when they were combined and uh, they were AWA Southern tag team champions in the CWA. So they were a formidable tag team. Uh, they pretty much did what a lot of they would pull the switcheroo with you in mass tag teams. They would load the mask with an object and do that little cool thing. And the fact of the matter is, they were also they, the gimmick was a very successful gimmick. So they took their gimmick to other uh, places. So they went to a, a reference we've mentioned before, Southwest. Southwest, uh, the big feud against uh, Tolly and Gino, which eventually yep. led to them parting ways. Yep, I think they won the Southwestern Tag Team titles from, or it was vice versa. I'm not sure on that, but. 
they did they won the Southwest Tag Team Title Gold in the Grapplers, and then they decided to go a little north out in the south. So they went to the the Kansas City area, aka the Central States promotion, and they decided to win their tag team gold, and they ended up beating two tag team two wrestlers that were tagged that became part of two very successful tag teams in pro wrestling. Tommy Rogers of the Fantastics and Marginetti, who were the Young Flyers, who ended up beating the so-called grapplers for the uh, tag title. So pretty much the grapplers were a good mass gimmick that pulled the switcheroo and just were tra- well-traveled tag team. And just uh, Bray Coss, in fact, more than what I mentioned earlier, was Tony Anthony, who was on the most gimmick show last week. So he was one of those tag team wrestlers. And also Lynn Denton, another claim to fame was the late 90s, is when Mike Tanay says in a line before he wrestles Goldberg, he is a veteran, he is an accomplished grappler, so to speak. So that was the claim to fame to the grapplers. Great tag team, underrated, but really ran the South Wild. All right. All right. Stoney Rivers, you're our favorite tag team. Well, of course, you know, mine, mine is video game related, too. Mine's the Assassins. Mm, I'm pretty sure they came out before Assassin's Creed, but... <laughs> <laughs> Assassins mm-hmm. came out before pretty much just about anything. Yeah, yeah so. black and white days. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, a, little, a little bit before 2007. So, if you're not familiar with the Assassins, they were a mass team from. Uh, they ran from the 60s to the 80s, uh, mainly known for uh, Jody Hamilton, who was the original Assassin, and he was a member through just about every incarnation. Also teaming up with Tom Ernesto, Roger, Roger Smith. Randy Colley, and get this, eventually Hercules Hernandez at one point uh, towards the end of the Assassins wore the mask. And it originally started off in 61 in the Georgia Territory. Uh, Hamilton, by that point, he was already a five year veteran. I had competed in Atlanta as the Assassin, and then afterwards, Tom Ernesto arrived in the area and they began teaming together. And they formed the original Assassins team. And uh, they traveled everywhere. Were one of the top heels throughout the 60s. Uh, Mid-Atlantic, Georgia, Florida, as well as California, Arizona, the Pacific Northwest, Canada, Japan, Australia. uh, All over the world, not just Southeast. And uh, all kinds of championships along the way. They came back uh, in the late 60s and competed... Primarily until about 64, most of their time in Georgia Championship Wrestling. They also went to work for independent group that we talked about earlier called All South Wrestling Alliance. And then along the way, Hamilton goes solo. And uh, uh, near the beginning, Ernesto kind of kind of morphed to behind the scenes, uh, did a little bit of things against each other, and they actually reunited as baby faces before All South closed in 1974. So when Renesto retired, Hamilton continued the assassin. The assassins kept adding new partners along the way. Uh, uh, Roger Smith, Randy Colley, in the 80s version with Hercules Hernandez and Jim Crockett Promotions under the management of Paul Jones, and kind of, who kind of used them as the... Uh, with his feud, I don't remember if you guys remember the feud that he had with Jimmy Valiant. And uh, that version of the team lasted until Hernandez was unmasked after losing to Valiant 
in a mask versus hair match, it, which is kind of funny because we remember, you know, Valiant also had his time as a mask yeah. wrestler. What was he? Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. That's right. So eventually, um, when Hernandez left uh, Jim Crockett uh, promotions, uh, cut his tie Jones, turned babyface, and uh, all kinds of crazy stuff uh, went on after that. Um, after wrestling, Hamilton, um, towards the end, he wound down his in-ring career in the Alabama Territory, competing under a different identity as the Flame, before starting his own promotion in Georgia, Deep South Wrestling, in 1986. It ran for about two years before he sold the promotion. And then, get this, he opened up the Power Plant. As a, for a training facility for World Championship Wrestling and uh, was last seen uh, doing the assassin role as the manager of, remember this? A little while back, pretty wonderful, Paul Orndorff and Paul Roman does WCW in 1994. And then he tried reopening Deep South in 2005 as a development a de- de- developmental territory for World Wrestling Entertainment as we know as WWE. Um, but they kind of um, had some other things going on. Um, some of the other assassins, Randy Colley, went on to form the Moondogs tag team as Moondog X. Um, and also appeared as the original Demolition Smash. Smash. He competed in, w, in Mid-South Wrestling as the Mass Nightmare, wearing the same mask he had as one of the assassins. Before eventually retiring in 1996, uh, Roger Smith went on to fame in Memphis in the mid-80s under the ring name Dirty Rhodes because he looked like Dusty Rhodes in appearance and mannerisms, both as a heel and a babyface. And, of course, you know he's since then retired. And of course, we all know Hercules Hernandez went on to do work for, uh, for WCW... Um, WWF and Japan and also as the Mass Mr. Wrestling 3 in Mid-South Super Invader in WCW uh, before passing away in his sleep as a heart at- uh, from a heart attack in Tampa, Florida in 2004 Jim Ross the legendary Jim Ross stated that the Mask Assassins were the greatest tag team that he ever saw some of the managers that managed the Assassins, Downtown Bruno, Jimmy Hart, and Paul Jones. And get this. We earlier talked about the NWA Tag Team Championship 12 times. 12 times the Assassins held that belt. And I don't really think after that last bit I need to say any more about my favorite tag team. It, it sounds like you know your tag team. So you got 22 championships between your mass people today. Yep. Woo-woo! Yes. Ric Flair who? Ric Flair what? John Cena who? John Cena what? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's see. We've got one more tag team to talk about. Mike, what's your favorite tag mask? <laughs> and I'll lead up there on TV right now. Yeah. What are you playing that, didn't you? Yeah. Actually, we, we kind of did look that up, but um, mine is mine's not going to be as long as detailed as you guys, because mine only stayed together masked for about a little under two years, but yeah. um, 
It is the team of Doom. Doom. Uh, Ron Doom. Simmons. Also, a video Street. game. True. Yes, but probably Couple. before the game. <laughs> I don't know. No, well, just, when, when was uh, Doom? No, I'm just playing. It's <laughs> before the game. Oh, yeah. Um, 89. <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah, because Doom was like, what? Uh, 93. Yeah, yeah. So, um, not, not, and nobody was really too surprised. Everybody kind of knew who they were as far as uh, the mask on, but it still worked. Um, but we're watching the debut, which is, uh, and before this, um, woman who we mentioned earlier, who's kind of distracting us all now, she was kind of stalking the Steiner brothers, uh, following them around, and then at a pay per view, uh, she. Uh, she was had like a crush on Scott or Rick no Rick the clumsy one and then um, so Scott and, and Missy Hyatt were kind of suspicious and she kind of developed into a character so then they called her woman and gave her this kind of the look she has on, on this show the kind of gothic kind of look vampire look and um, then she turned on the Steiners and at a pay-per-view before this said you will soon meet your doom and then this pay-per-view came about, and these two guys came out. Massive. So they meant that literally. Literally. And uh, and they win this, as they're doing right now, as Will alluded to, by a foreign object inside the mask with the headbutt. <laughs> uh, the loaded mask. Yeah. Which we haven't seen that at all recently in yeah. these old matches. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so woman came out. She kind of uh, set this up, um, and it made her famous for a while. Uh, she then went on to somebody else after Doom. But um, so, with Kevin Sullivan, was it Kevin yes. Sullivan? Yeah. Well, well, so she went on to another tag team, right? And then Kevin Sullivan. Um, uh, Might have been. I mean, but uh, but uh, sticking with the Dell Wilts, and uh, not on purpose. But uh, Butch Reed and Ron Simmons both are. Great football players, um, Hall of Fames themselves. Butch Reed, I think he's in the Hall of Fame at Missouri, and then uh, he actually played for the Chiefs in the NFL. Uh, Ron Simmons, I don't think he actually played for an NFL team. Um, he may have tried out for a couple, I think, but just didn't manifest into him playing the NFL. So he went to professional wrestling, and both did very well. Well, Simmons, hey, Simmons played in Florida college ball, if I remember correctly. Was, was it Seminoles? It was, uh, yeah, he played for Florida Sem- State. Seminoles, and he had, well, one, yeah, and they they actually retired his number. Yeah, number 50. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Bowden credited him till the end uh, as far as turning that organization around, making them a winning team. That year, he credited Ron Simmons with them getting the scoring record, the touchdown, you know, all the things they did, and he was an offensive lineman. And a, a beast, but uh, both of those guys are massive, so we all knew who they were. Yeah. Um, but it still worked. They stayed together for a while. They, uh, it's ironic that the Steiners, as is, is we just watched, is who they debuted with because um, a year, year and a half later into the run, they had a match with the Steiner brothers where they had to unmask because they lost. And um, I remember watching that. I think it was a Clash of Champions. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, and then uh, uh, they kind of look disgusted and everything. But, um, and I know they're not masks, so this is kind of going beyond my, my team. But after the mask, then they kind of took off again. Instead, they beat, like, the Road Warriors. They beat uh, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. They beat, they beat everybody. They were just beating all the top tag teams around. But with the mask on... Um, they were they were still pretty good and it was very memorable when Doom come out 
Um, but it was short-lived, and then uh, I have to look up what all women did after that, but that kind of made her. She came out as a star during that whole storyline. Um, but I, I would say between those three, Dell and the team of Doom, those are three of the most decorated football players that you could ask for to be in wrestling. Yeah. You know, like right up there with Steve Williams and a few of the others. Well, and then, you know, Butch Reed and Ron Simmons also went on a pretty pretty good singles career. Matter of fact, they started uh, feuding against each other when they they broke that up. It was was a miscommunication angle where they kept losing matches due to miscommunication, so then they'd end up fighting. And uh, so then they had a pay per view where they fought each other. I think, I forget who won that. I want to say Simmons went over. Really, I think Albert makes sense. But, um,. Ron well, Simmons also credited as was he the first African American world champion, world champion as well, and, and that's a great moment because everybody in that that was anybody on the roster came in the ring, and yeah. you don't see that often in wrestling back yeah. then or now. Yeah. You know when people were just like coming there and lift you up and and legitimately cried. Dude had real tears, you know. And, yeah. and uh, when he walked into the building that day, he didn't know that he was going to beat Vader. For that he had no idea. He very seriously doubted it or even pondered it. And when he entered the building, for whatever reason, said tonight's your night, putting you over, giving you the belt. And um, it was huge. First African American for sure. And uh, and Butch Reed had already been to WWF and back. You know, so he had already yeah. been up north. He had already came back down. Ron was on his steady incline. Yeah. And uh, then after this, you know, he went on and uh, we didn't APA with APA, Bradshaw yeah. and Damn! Damn! <laughs> <laughs> did a lot of things, but where I'm from around Dublin, Georgia, which Tony alluded to earlier, Lawrence County, Ron Simmons around middle Georgia is a huge name. He's up there with Herschel Walker and now Demarius Thomas. Um, he's very decorated. Anybody, any, anything to do with sports or high school football even, everybody knows Ron Simmons. Uh, that's about it. Very short. I don't even think it was a full 24-month run. Uh, very short good good tag team very memorable and uh, both had great singles careers like you mentioned no oh, wow. no cool well that was good it was good hearing everybody's uh, choices so. there you go you know and there was all kinds of, of, of teams you know we we, we kind of bounced around some of the ideas and, and teams you know other ones you mentioned with fire and ice yeah. And, and who were some of the other ones that were mentioned tag teams and single wrestlers? Um, I mean, you can go as far back as Mr. Wrestling One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can go as far as WCW, as far as as uh, as Mysterio. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, for a while there in WCW, there was all kinds of lucha wrestlers. You know, Psychosis, uh, Hoovertoon oh, yeah, is another one that was both masked. There and was unmasked. too many at one time on those. Too many. Almost. And then there was mass, mass. And then there was mass wrestlers who were under a mask, but you obviously knew who they were. Quite a bit of those guys. In fact, um, well-known individuals would be Bullet Bob Armstrong, who was the Bullet, yeah. the Tennessee Stud Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud. And yeah. I mean, also another one. It's it does not quite a Southern end, but it did have Southern wrestlers in it. There was a machines angle in the WWF, yeah. the Japanese machines, and they had. Bill E is a machine, and Black Jack Mulligan is a machine. Yeah, Mr. R. Remember who, you know who Mr. R was? Tommy Rich. Yeah. Really? And come on, I, and I know, I know, nobody <clears throat> ever did figure out who the Midnight Rider was. 
<laughs> but there was also another one with the same gimmick named Over Day Slim. Yeah. And, was, and you know, it's funny when you look at some of these, I mean, some of these they were actually multiple versions of by different wrestlers. You know, there was there wasn't one, just one Midnight Rider. Um, there was a couple, you know, several different, you know, assassins and, and Dr. X's and all kinds of different people. And Mysterio had to change his up a little bit to go to, uh, or where'd he go? To uh, TNA for a little bit or went somewhere? The one where the guy actually didn't get killed. That no, that's actually oh, no, that was in Mexico. Okay, well, he had yeah. to change something. I don't think it was one part of his name or uh, well, something small, you yeah. know. Like he had a junior in there, so he could have took that off or something. Yeah, I think yeah. he was Rey Mysterio Junior. There's just Rey Mysterio. Right. Is Kalisto still active on the roster? Is he still? I right? think so. Yeah, he's still around. I think. I know uh, one of the biggest things we're talking about mass wrestlers is it's like a an old thing that you do not like take the, the mask off. You know, it's a sign of disrespect or something. If you're a corner, I'll never forget when, like, less than a couple years ago, when Del Rio came back. To WWE with uh, the guy on the scooter, and one of his first five or six matches was against Kalisto, and he had him up on the the turnbuckle facing the crowd and was beating him and all, and the camera's right here, and for whatever reason, Del Rio kind of takes his mask off and then puts it back on him real quick, and uh, I'll pull that up on YouTube after the show for you, oh, but it was yeah. the most awkward thing, but the last person you think to ever do this would be another Mexican. Yeah, you and you, you know the code, you know. Uh, but since then, we've learned a lot about Del Rio and true, true. Yeah, in his not, barn fights with his brother, and yeah. his knife fights with his fiance. Yeah, <laughs> and, we, and we've also learned a lot about one guy who's been like a thousand mass wrestlers. He should be like the man. He should be the man of a thousand faces, Brad Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. We found out that he every time he turns around, he likes to go undercover. Well, he liked to go to undercover. And he is it? he is also on Monday's episode. Oh man, God, what do we have on Monday's uh, episode? As well as the grapplers, or the grapplers. Who else we got on the Monday? You know who else? Uh, well, let's see. Um, Steve Kern's taking on Stan Lane. You mentioned Stan Lane earlier. Uh, Brad Armstrong will be facing Kevin Sullivan. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Doomsday. Oh wow, Doomsday! Not to be confused with Doom. Versus Master Blaster and Texas Ranger. Texas Ranger. And then starting off the show, we got a match with Ed Boulder. Ed. Yeah. So Ed Boulder. This episode's gonna be fun. Yeah, gonna be a fun episode. So make sure you go to what is it? Gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com. Is that right? That is it. You can go there and, and, and watch that when. It'll get posted, what, late Sunday, early Monday, whatever? I have it scheduled to upload or to go live at midnight, Sunday night, Monday morning, and, of course, the blog post will be live at 7 a.m. There you go. It'll blog live. And then, of course, while you're there, if you check it a little bit later, every day uh, they have, like, uh, the birthdays, deaths, histories, um, results, uh, uh, stuff like that. So all kinds of cool stuff. So neat stuff. So... All right, so hey guys, anything else? Mm-hmm. No, 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 sorry. What about anything else for me? Mm, just another reminder that not tomorrow, but next Saturday, come out to the Sweetwater Gym in Thompson, Saturday, Georgia. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. The twelfth. Yep, the twelfth. Six thirty p.m. is when the doors open. The show starts at seven. It's going to be a fun show. Buck the Stuff Bagwell is going to be there. 
Uh, Ring of Honor and NXT's John Skyler is going to be there. Uh, the main event is sure to be uh, quite the spectacle. That's going to be finally Chris Man and Six are having their their matchup. So that's going to be a fun show. Yep, I'll be there. Still they got great there. concessions. Yeah, and we uh, and I'm still I still need to talk to VPW owner Josh Hancock about the contest. But if we end up running a contest like we have the last couple of shows, stay tuned and we will let you know. Yeah, just go to our, what is our Facebook? Oh, it's uh, facebook.com slash GWHTV. There you go. What he said. Yeah. There you go. And if you want to check out Viral Pros, there's his facebook.com slash Viral Pro Wrestling. There you go. Mike has one too. Oh, wait. That's a private one in it. Never mind. All right, then. Well... Cool. It's been great sitting with you guys talking about our favorite mask gimmicks from singles and tag teams. Once again, I've been Kenny J with John Stoney Cannon and Will Wheeler and Mike Garrett and Mr. I think has left the room at this point. So yeah. He went chasing after that hot chick that came in earlier. Right. I see. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, hang out with us uh, next Friday. We're going to have another heated discussion for you about some cool stuff. And, of course, yet again, check out Monday's TV show on the blog and YouTube. And we will see you next time. Later. Good Ciao, weekend. Yeah. Happy weekend. John Fuck you like a Batman! To be the man, you gotta beat the man! We'll beat your work for being a little man! Atlanta, GA, Hotlanta is the Freebirds town, man! Thank you. Thank you very, very much. A very spirited crowd here today at the Television Sports Arena. I'm having a good day.